Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, the MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who thinks he can dig a big enough hole to bury all his youth, but I have to remind him, you simply cannot hide from the ugly truth. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. His most recent records are called Found Songs, Volumes 1 and 2, and they're both available on Bandcamp. Please welcome to the podcast, Aaron Lee Tazjan. Hello, hello. So I, I have to ask you this before we even get started here. So is it, do I call you Aaron or do I call you Aaron Lee? Well, um, most people call me Aaron Lee, um, I think my parents only call me that when I'm in trouble. Um, (laughs) But uh, I, uh, but yeah, most people, most people call me Aaron Lee. Actually, a lot, a lot of people call me ALT too. Like they like to abbreviate my entire name. Um, I don't know if it's because my just my last name is kind of funky or, um, or what. But uh, I'm, you know, man, I'm I'm open to like honestly, like I've been called many things, so I, I probably am. A one person who is not going to take offense to being called something other than what I'm used to being called. <laughs> all right, all right, perfect. All right, well, we'll 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 try and not call you anything outside of all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gave you a lot of choices, so you know. Yeah, maybe, and maybe once we get through the scores, uh, Wayne may uh, may call you some other names, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see. So. Um, so premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, we ask the all-important question. So Wayne, I'm going to start with you. What t-shirt are you wearing? Well, I am not wearing a t-shirt. I am wearing my Seahawks number 24 because this record we're going to talk about is Altered Beast. So I'm wearing my Altered Beast mode jersey. Plus, I can't wait for football. Love it. All right. Love love me some Marshawn. Uh, how about you, Aaron Lee? What uh, what T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a T-shirt today um, that uh, says "Fug Yep Foundation" <laughs> on the front of it, and uh, that's F U G Y E P Fug Yep, and uh, <clears throat> it's actually a um, a foundation that uh, was created in memory of. Uh, a friend and, and musical hero of mine, a guy named Richard Swift. Um, and, okay. uh, so a lot of, um, a lot of his friends and, and, um, and frequent collaborators still release music, uh, through the fuck yep foundation, um, which, uh, um, is, uh, just, you know, a really, a really beautiful way to like, remember a really beautiful man. So, uh, it, Richard w- loved, uh, talking about music. So I figured since we were talking about music today, I would wear my, my Richard t-shirt and, and try to bring some swift energy to the, uh, podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. Perfect. Excellent choice. Uh, so I'm wearing, I'm wearing, uh, one of my new shirts. Uh, I think I've worn this for an episode already, Wayne, but I'm, I'm wearing the not a surf t-shirt that you bought me couple weeks oh, ago nice. so good one. it's uh it's replacing the ships of sail t-shirt as my favorite right now oh cool yeah there you go um so so uh aaron we uh we ask our guests at the end of each episode who do you know that i don't know who should who should come on 
our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records. And you were referred to us by not only Matthew Cause of Not a Surf, but also John Gallagher Jr. So <laughs> did I, I have to ask, since I went through your management to get you on here, did, did either one of them text or email you and say, hey, you should join these guys for an episode? Um, I don't. Well, the hesitation is telling me everything. <laughs> I don't think so. But I, I, I mean, it's it's entirely. Po- I have, um, I have a lot of of conversations with people where I'm um usually a, at least a little bit stoned. So I forget, um, <laughs> I forget what they've, what even you know they may have called me for. Um, I remember the feeling of the conversation. Like I remember if it made me feel good or bad. Um, so at least go. I got that going for me, but a lot of times the details get a little fuzzy. All right. Well, hope, hopefully they sent you some positive vibes and you're like, yeah, let's do that. So that sounds right to me. I'm going to go with All that. Right. All right. Let's, let's do that. So, uh, so John mentioned that you were, you were his roommate for a while in New York. Yeah, that's true. That's a true story. We, we met in England actually, um, and then ended up living together in New York for I think it was a little over a year. Okay, were you were you doing any acting or were you doing the music thing? Man, uh, I um, I had some headshots. I think like a, I think there was a picture of me like resting my chin on my fist at some point. Um, <laughs> oh, but we left uh, those headshots. But that was about as far as I got into the acting uh, thing. Okay. So I was I was mostly a music guy and and have always been. Although I have a great appreciation for the craft. Yeah, he's d- he's done okay for himself. Yeah, he's not bad if you like that kind of stuff. <laughs> He's so talented. He really is. He's amazing. I just watched his episode of Modern Love on uh, on Amazon. So, and I, oh, cool. I, and I finished. I finished the newsroom. I haven't been able to find another show to binge that I've liked quite as much as the newsroom. But, anyways, that's a really great show. Oh, it was, it was really good. Yeah, I really liked Jeff Daniels. Really surprised me. Man, like, every that- time I. Th- Every time I think of Jeff Daniels, I think of Dumb and Dumber. So <laughs> sure. when he, so when he's doing this, this you know, super dramatic and you know, curmudgeonly news news guy, like he killed it. He it was so good. Yeah, I agree. It's an interesting show to watch, especially now, like considering like the sort of huge fake media uh, pandemic, whichever side of that you fall on. Like, it's just interesting to like watch a show about a guy like struggling to do the news or whatever at this time, I think. Yeah. 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 We, the, the episode we did with John was for John Prine's bruised orange. You, you Prine, Prine fan at all? Huge Prine fan. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big loss, big loss in 2020 for sure. Um, so, so I spent some time again with your record from 2016. So silver tears. Um, I don't remember how I got introduced to it a couple of years ago, but I, I really love that record. Oh, so I have to ask you for the song ready, ready to die. Yes. It seems like that song could have been written this year in 2020, <laughs> as opposed to you probably wrote it in what? 2015. Yes, that is correct. So, so 
it feels like that's a song that could be an anthem for this year. Yeah. I mean, isn't that funny how that kind of happens? Um, I guess, you know, you, you know, that happens a lot too. I feel like in terms of, um, like what the song is about, I feel like oftentimes as a, as a writer, like when you review your own work, it's kind of like checking in with your subconscious in some way, you know? Um, so you don't necessarily know always, or I don't anyway, what it's about as it, as I'm writing it. Um, and I kind of find out later, um, and songs have a way of, uh, becoming more relevant over time, uh, sometimes too, um, which is really interesting. Hank Williams was no angel They put him on the cross Left him on the back of that Cadillac All the lone and lost thing that I would note about that song it's one of four songs that I wrote in the same day off of it while I was on a hit of blotter acid that I got from a man (laughs) wearing a leather vest with no shirt on underneath at a bar in Omaha Nebraska called Reverb when I was opening for the legendary Shack Shakers okay Uh, four songs yeah so have you gone back to Nebraska to try and get some more of that (laughs) um i actually the last time i went to nebraska we were supposed to play a festival and we were sitting in our van um getting ready to go on stage for our set and a uh, tornado came through and picked literally picked up the festival and carried it into the woods (laughs) wow that's like a scene at a twister it was pretty wild, man. I'd never, you know, I'd, I was familiar slightly with tornadoes, kind of. Um, I'd never been, like, that close to one. Um, but uh, it, was, it was pretty scary. And, and, and we had just purchased this, uh, this new van um, that had some sort of, like, traction system on it that made it impossible to drive in, like, mud or, like, wet grass or anything like that. So we literally had to have a, a tractor pull us about a mile and a half like out of the festival back onto the road oh wow it's a great day sounds like it so so with those other songs that you wrote while on acid was one of them refugee blues no um that song i actually wrote um while i was driving um uh between uh milwaukee wisconsin and appleton wisconsin um, I just wrote it in the car I'd, and I, I wrote um, all the lyrics for that song, like just while I was driving, like thinking of them and then uh, got a pen and paper when I got up to Appleton and, and wrote them down and, um, and recorded that song up there um, 
I think the the next day or the day after that, it was pretty pretty quick. Yeah, because that seems like another another song that could be an anthem for 2020 as well. It, it, it's it's like you you know you knew in advance what a crap show 2020 was going ahead <laughs> of your time. Man, my whole life is a crapshoot, dude. Like, <laughs> I've been living this way for a while, man. Y'all are coming down to my level now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you're in Nashville now, right? Yeah. And how long you been there? Uh, this is my seventh year. Okay. So I haven't seen Nashville in the news the last several weeks because of all the you know, not quarantine themselves and not taking this thing seriously. So are you guys finally getting your crap together there in Nashville? Um, man, I, you know, no. Um, right. You know. And I know it's not, I know it's not like the, the people that we listen to here. It's, it's more of the, I guess the new country crowd, the, the, the party people on Broadway. Man, you know it's fascinating. Like a lot of a lot of the people are are tourists um, that aren't even aware a lot of times that there's like a mask mandate happening in East Nashville or in Nashville, I should say. Um, you know, so it's a lot of people coming from out of town. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some some locals down there as well. Um, but I had to um, I had to go downtown recently because I had to film a live stream. Um, a pre-recorded live stream thing that um, at the Ryman, and so I had to drive down Broadway to like get yeah. there, you know. And it was, it was really like uh, I've experienced a, a lot of emotion, like just driving down that like you know little stretch of road. Like it was, it was sad. It was scary. Um, it was like uh, it was really it was it felt really freaky, you know, like I was in some sort of like <laughs> David Cronenberg movie or something like just kept looking around waiting for someone's head to explode. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's really like it's it's really a, um, a crazy thing because, you know, these these bars, you know, like there's musicians playing in all of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so you're looking at these musicians and like on one level, you're going like, man, like, I guess like I'm, I'm glad that my brother or my sister or whoever it is that's up there has a, has a job right now and is making it through and is able to sing and, and get something to eat, you know? But on the other side of that, you're just thinking, why in the world is this place even open? You know? Yeah. So it's a, t- yeah. it's a, it's a, you know, you kind of, it, it can pull you in a lot of directions. Yep. Well, you just described 2020. <laughs> True. Jeez. Uh, All right. So I, I do have to ask you about uh, Karma. Uh, yes. I was re-listening to Karma from a few years ago. And you also did Karma for Cheap Reincarnated, mm-hmm. which is a kind of re-engineered. Would, would I call it acoustic? An acoustic? Yeah. Okay. I think that's accurate. All right. And the sequence, the sequencing is different from record to record. Like you, you ended Karma with Songbird, but it's the lead track on the Reincarnated album. So, um, I guess you 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 pay attention to the whole sequencing stuff. Then, yeah, I mean, I love I I love records, man. 
I mean, I have listened to records as records for a really, really long time. Even if I don't like the song, it is rare that I will skip a song when I'm listening to a record. Um, I just love the the idea of a sequence and like um, and the story that that tells. But the thing about the about that kind of listening, like you can't just listen to a record once or twice and like get the you know necessarily get like whatever may be intended like as a result of the sequence in other words you know you might it might take you a few more listens to kind of like you know get hip to like whatever the artist might have been trying to to do um you know with something like that so i i really i really enjoy like listening to to records on that level and sequencing to me is just another opportunity to like reaffirm the intention of the record ever with with records and now that you have the availability of you know a spotify or uh you know moving stuff around on your on your phone we had one one guy uh charlie from yumi zuma who he told us that he likes to sequence his own records of other people of how he thinks that they should have been and i'm like you're thinking in producer terms your terms when you do so 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 with you being worried about sequencing you know from from karma to karma uh reincarnated so do you do that with anything else or are you trying to be do you try and stay true to whatever the artist and what sequencing they put out yeah i mean as a as a as a um as a guy who is a kind of like a, an appreciator of, of the process um, as much as I am a fan of music and an artist as well. Um, I really like to consider like what the artist may have intended. I know the chances of me knowing exactly what that is are going to vary, you know, based on like how, kind of uh you know obvious the uh answer might be to my ears when i hear the music but i think like you know i i like to spend at least some amount of time considering what the artist may have intended when i listen to a recording yeah what uh what songs and records are getting you through this whole pandemic Oh, um, Chuck Prophet's new one that just came out yesterday. Actually, I haven't, haven't listened to it yet. 
I've listened yeah. to it a bunch of times already, and I I love it. Um, it's so good. Um, he's such a great writer um, and such a good producer and guitar player. I mean, he just he really impresses me over and over again. Um, let's see what else. Uh, my friend Lily Hyatt um, put out a oh, record in her. April. Love that one. That's yeah, really really her. great. Yeah, that uh, that I I I've. You know, I still listen to her last record, Trinity Lane, as well. So good. Yes. The, um, yeah, that that new one is is really great too. Um, that's that's probably been the one that I've listened to more than anything. The new Pretenders stuff, like the Pretenders, are making a really cool record right now. All the new singles that have I've heard from that have been really awesome. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's really like bowled me over. Um, oh, a, a song by Pete Yorn called The World. If you haven't heard The World by Pete Yorn, check out that song. It's really, really good. I have not heard that. I was just telling before you jumped on to, to record. So I I found a copy of music for the morning after at the Goodwill. Yeah. Such a great record. That was a dollar well spent. I had it. I had it. Um, borrowed from a friend to use Wayne's term. Um, you can interpret that however you want. Um, so it's, so it's nice to actually have the physical CD in, in my possession, but, uh, very underappreciated artist for sure. So good. And that song is like encapsulates 2020, like brilliantly. It's probably the best one of those that I've heard. Got it. All right. Well, I'm writing that down as well. Um, going back to Chuck Prophet, so I I watched uh, the video that you did with with Chuck. <laughs> did he do that for what Southwest Airlines? Yeah, Southwest Airlines and our friends, um, our friends at Luck Reunion, which is a really cool music festival um, just outside of Austin, Texas, that uh, happens every year during South by Southwest on uh, Willie Nelson's property. Very good. Um, and Willie usually headlines it and. Um, I've played it so many times. It's really, really so much fun. They're awesome people. They do all kinds of good things for others and and uh, and music. And um, it's uh, it's always a lot of fun to work with them. And to get to work with them and Chuck Prophet at the same time was like a dream come true. Honestly, Chuck seems like the coolest guy. Like in the video, uh, you know, he's he's saying hi to everybody in his community you know goes to the grocery store and is calling everybody by their name and it's like <laughs> man that's that's cool like i don't i don't know if there is a restaurant or a a store that i go to out here in the suburbs that uh anyone knows my name so man chuck is just like he really really cares like he cares so much. I remember once talking to him about producing records, and I said, uh, <laughs> "I said, I said, um, I said, man, you, you've produced a few records, right? You know, do you?" I, I was asked him if he basically enjoyed producing records, and he's like, "Oh, you know, man, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't want it more than they do." Oh my gosh, that's a, that's that that is a great uh, that's a great impersonation of him actually. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was so like, uh, 
you know, such a, such a like brilliant thing for a guy like Chuck to say, cause he is yeah. like, he will go in and iron out every detail and make it like everything that it can be. And if you're not interested in that, like it might be a frustrating experience <laughs> working with him. Right. Right. All right. Um, so Aaron Lee, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose, um, one of my favorite kinds of records. And what I mean by that is um, I really am oftentimes fascinated by records that sort of come out and they're sort of like viewed as kind of almost like problem children for the artist. Um, But as time goes on, when you go back and revisit those records, like the record still stands up, you know, and, and still, uh, you know, has things to say and and remains relevant and those are my favorite kind of records because it's like a vindication for art you know it's like a vindication for saying like following your heart is really the the you know should be like a a focal point of of the purpose of doing something like this um so i really love those kind of records for that reason and i chose one that that feels like that kind of record to me which is a record by one of my favorite songwriters um a guy named matthew sweet and uh the album of his that i chose is a record called altered beast yeah so this was his fourth record released in 1993 and i always I always seem to get the chronology wrong. I always think that 100% Fun was the record after Girlfriend. Right. And I think that I'm even, Wayne, I'm, I think that I'm even on tape. Because I think, didn't didn't I say this on the last episode? I think, yes, we did. So it's a good thing that we're not revered by thousands upon thousands of people who are going to call me out for my <laughs> mistake. So that's, I guess it's a good thing. Um. So, so why why this particular record instead of of one hundred percent fun or girlfriend? Because I I threw this out there to the socials um, a couple weeks ago because uh-huh. I was because I was he, he, so this is kind of my process when somebody picks a record I'll listen to that record but I'll also listen to the record before and after it just to kind of get a feel of you know, where the musician was and if there was any progression, if, you know, if it sounded the same, etc. And I threw it out that I was listening to 100% Fun and I said, I'm starting to rethink that maybe Girlfriend is not my favorite Matthew Sweet record. Mm-hmm. And everybody chimed in and said, yeah, 100% Fun is the best record, but don't sleep on Altered Beast. And, um, and this was one that I, I really didn't remember. I'm glad that you kind of brought this up because I really forgot about this. Sorry, my dog is being an idiot. Um, (laughs) I really forgot about this record. Why, why do you think that this is the record that you come to come back to from Matthew Sweet as opposed to, to those? And you probably do come back to those as well. I do. Yeah. I come back to a lot of Matthew's records actually. Um, but I, but this one does like hold a special place in my heart for some reason. I think it's because it 
is kind of it has this like you can't really define it like it has this kind of quality to it where it's just really hard to pin down and for some people that probably seems inconsistent but to me when you have an artist like matthew sweet doing it like i find it engaging and interesting um i like when i was when i was um going back through the the record and and remembering um you know my first experiences with it and um, I was looking at some old interviews that Matthew Sweet had done, and I, f- I, f- I found one interview where he was describing what he thought Altered Beast was about, and he said, whatever is inside you that might explode and you don't know it's there. Perfect. And I just think like that sums up this record so well. Like, I mean, um, which of course he would be able to do. He made it and wrote it, but... Um, it really like encapsulates so much of like how I feel about it. Like there's something unknowing about the record that kind of haunts me in a way. Um, but it has these, mo- these beautiful, it also has these beautiful, like, like pastoral classic Matthew sweet moments that to me equals, you know, some of the things that are on those other two records of his that tend to be, the the most highly regarded in his catalog yeah he's a very diverse artist like i i feel like on most of his records he had he'll he'll throw on a couple really you know guitar driven type songs and then he'll have some of these really melodic and songs that have you know some really great harmony to go along with it so it's it's really hard to like pinpoint a genre for him at times because of that. Yep. I'm assuming that you've kind of taken that, uh, that philosophy as well. Cause I feel like your records also kind of have that, um, that vibe where sometimes you're, you're rocking out. And other times I feel like, um, Aaron was probably listening to a Hank Williams record before he wrote this song. So, you know, that's, I think that's true, man. Um, but I think like anything, um, you know, the truth is, is very complex. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's uh, the, the, interestingly enough, people kind of end up labeling Matthew Sweet and I similarly. Um, I tend to get called mostly Americana. I think that just because that sort of like has become more popular nowadays, but like, there's also a lot of people who call what I do power pop. Um, and a lot of people sort of, and it's, and, uh, and what's interesting is this is that this instance is particularly, you can feel it on this record. Um, you know, Matthew Sweet kind of tends to fall like in between this like power pop and like sometimes like country rock kind of thing. Um, and this record is like chock full of that. Um, it's it it the whole uh, the whole thing is is uh, is kind of various examples of of both of those two styles. Um, so. Um, I like, I like that about this record a lot, but I do identify with sort of being an, an in-betweener, if you will. My friend Yola, who I don't know if you guys are hip to Yola yeah. or not, but um, yeah. she's like 
I love her so much. She's a really dear friend of mine. Um, and we've collaborated together on, on music, um, before, but, um, she says, she says that she is genre fluid and she said that I could, I can say, I'm allowed to say that too. So maybe that, maybe that'll be my answer today. I'm going to use Yola's term and say I'm genre fluid. There you go. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Do you, have you ever done this where you've listened? Do you, do you use Spotify at all? Um, <laughs> some, yeah. Okay. So when you listen to a record, like if I'm going on a walk and I'm listening to a record and I just kind of let it play and it'll create a radio station mm-hmm. for you based off, based off of the record that you just listened to. So I was listening to altered beast uh, a couple days ago on my morning walk, it finished and then it played drive by truckers, which yep. I don't know if I would, maybe I would kind of put them in the same boat as Matthew. Hmm. Um, and then it was Jayhawks. Yep. And then uh, Nick Lowe. Perfect. Nice. Those were, those were the three that, it, that, that came up. I kept waiting for Aaron Lee Tazjan to come <laughs> afterwards, but that didn't, that didn't happen. So we yeah. need to get, we need to get Spotify on the horn for, I might for not that. be as cool as those guys. That could be the reason. <laughs> we, we think otherwise, but, you know, that's good. That's, that's cool. All right. Um, Wayne, what, what do you got to, 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 to start off this, uh, this discussion. Like I say, listening to Matthew Sweet, I had heard Girlfriend. I heard the follow-up single, which I think I've been waiting. Um, but in 1991, I think when that came out, I was listening to a lot of stuff uh, came locally from here in the Seattle area. And so I, I, I guess in a way, maybe I dismissed it. I have the I, Matthew Sweet gives me that feeling that Dorothy had at the end of Wizard of Oz when I had the power to listen to Matthew Sweet all along, and I feel like I, I, I wasted my chance. So, I've been, uh, I, I'm not going to let that give. I'm not going to let that happen to me twice. I've, uh, I really enjoyed this record, and I, I, I'm, I'm listening to the rest of his stuff now, catching up. There you go. There you go. Um, so one of one of my favorite records of the last twenty years is the collaboration that he that Matthew did with Pete Roche and Sean Mullins. Uh, the thorns so good what's your opinion of that loved loved that record um you know what's weird um is a friend of mine just reached out a couple of days ago and said hey man i was talking to this guy named pete droge and somehow your name came up and he said that he's a fan of yours and he wanted me to give you his email and i was like so stoked because I have been a Pete Droge fan for a long time. You know, I loved him before, uh, you know, his, his stuff before he was in the thorns obviously is so good. Um, speaking of dumb and dumber, uh, you know, he yes. had one of the best songs on that soundtrack. Um, the best song on that. Soundtrack. Yeah. I, I I'm going to go ahead and, and I hate <laughs> speaking in superlatives cause I feel like it's so American, <laughs> but like, you know, um, it's, it's true. I, I do think that is a song on that soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and um, so I, you know, huge, huge Pete Droge fan already, but the Thorns, I mean, Sean Colvin is a genius. Matthew Sweet's a genius. Pete Droge is a genius. You can't go wrong. We've been trying to get Pete on 
the, the the podcast for the last year. He's had some some health issues uh, over the last uh, year, um, so fingers crossed that we'll eventually get it done. But I I love Pete. Find a Door is one of my favorite records. Yeah, and man. It's, and it and it's one of those records that I wish more people knew about. Really yeah, cool. he has a he has a, a bunch of songs like that. Um, you know, uh, that I wish everybody knew about. <laughs> yep. He's so yep. good. Yep. All right. Uh, let's jump into this. So, um, cool. we're going to go track by track as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many tracks on this record? 15. Notice I said tracks and not songs. Yep, I did. Okay. We'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about the one track, which I think is, we all hate, um, or maybe, <laughs> Hate strong. I don't get it. We all scored it low. Let's I'll put it that way. All right. So that means our top our top track is gonna get fifteen points. Nick's favorite, fourteen on down to the lowest score of one. So let's kick this off. Here is Dinosaur Act. And I, I've said this, Wayne, a ton of times on this podcast about how important opening tracks are for me. Punch me in the face and announce your presence and your authority. And I think that this one does that pretty well. Right? Yeah, I, I, this feels like a statement. Like, like this is not girlfriend. Like, he, he really, uh, I, it's, it's got this super heavy feel to it. And, uh, I can say the lead on it coming over the top of that dis- that that distortion filled rhythm guitar. It just gives it a, it just gives it a really heavy, aggressive. I mean, and lyrically, it has this uh, like this almost like this grudge element to it. <laughs> so so, pronounce the last name of the person who plays lead guitar on on this track. Quine? Robert Quine. Oh, Quine? Quinn. Robert Quinn. Quinn. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure how to pronounce it, but if you look at his pedigree, dang. And Akron, Ohio, man. Yes, we've had and we've had a lot of Akron people on this podcast as well. Um, what is it about Akron that turns out these great musicians? Something something's going on there, man, cuz it really that's yeah. the truth. It's like there's so many of them. Because you're originally from there too, right? I am am not originally from Ohio, but I did I did grow up there. I was born okay. in, in Wellington, Delaware, um, where where John was born. Although we we didn't know each other when we when we lived in Delaware, but we may have done. We figured out one time that we may have done a a, a, a production of uh, the Wizard of Oz together for the Delaware Children's Theater. Um, there you go. Sorry, I kind of got us off topic there, but uh, <laughs> yes, Robert, the great Robert Quinn, uh, a dude who played with Tom Waits, uh, Eno, Lou Reed. I mean, uh, you know, Hell. absolutely, Richard Hell. Uh, you know, cool. did collaborations with uh, Mark Re- Rebo. You know, who played on on Tom Waits' most famous stuff. I forgot about Mark Rebo. Okay, yeah, incredible guitarist. Yeah. yeah, I love Dinosaur Act. I, you know, it. What I love about the, that song in particular is that it it kind of um, 
it's it's like what you said. It, it announces sort of a different Matthew suite. It you know it, it what it kind of reminds me of a little bit because Dinosaur Act is kind of menacing. It kind of reminds me of the first song off of Elliot Smith's posthumous Basement on a Hill album, Coast to Coast, which is kind of this menacing um, sort of version of of power pop. Um, you know, and and I, and you're you know if you didn't know Elliot's earlier music, you know from before he um, was was you know making his living playing a, you know acoustic guitar, yeah. um, you know you you might have been a little surprised by that. You know, he was so, kind of a punk guy, wasn't he? Yeah, he you know he 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 was he was in a band that um, you know commonly got referred to as Portland's Fugazi. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, he was, he was kind of coming out of that world, but he also, Elliot was also in like a Devo cover band. I mean, that dude could like do anything. It's amazing. Um, he, he, you know, he and Matthew sweet, um, kind of remind me of each other in certain ways, um, sometimes. Um, but back to dinosaur act, like it's such a, um, it's just a, it's such a, an announcement of, of, um, you know, something, something new. And, uh, I always get excited when that happens with an artist. Like, um, it takes me a minute to like really hear the song. Cause I find myself like being very thrilled by the fact that they're just doing something else, you know? Yep. So, so explain what exactly is a dinosaur act? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a good question. I mean, a dinosaur act, uh, you know, could be any number of things. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I like, I wonder if, you know, um, you could, you could be, you could be talking about, um, becoming extinct. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the feel I had. Like you thought I was yeah. extinct, but I'm back and I'm back with my old tricks too. <laughs> right. right. Which is, which is an interesting thing to say with a new sound, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. All right, uh, let's get some scores. Wayne, what do you got? 13. And then Aaron? Six. And then uh, this is my eight. Next song is Devil with the Green Eyes. with the green eyes indeed yeah such a great such a great song i think the first the first time that i ever listened to this song i was listening to it on headphones and for some reason i just absolutely loved um the, that there that the, the overdubbed drum fills at the top of the song like like there's you know there's like a there's like the 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 drum kit or whatever, but then like there's these fills happening that are like overdubbed. I don't know if you can hear that, like if you're not listening on on headphones or not. But like, I was I was more listening to the Matthew Sweet harmony overdubs. Yeah, that's what I got fixated on. Sure, I mean you know that's kind of his signature thing for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, and he does it so well. Yeah, um, 
But that was like the first thing that I fell in love with about that song. Weirdly, was those drums, and it made and it made me. It it forced me to like go like oh I wonder who plays drums on this and then I looked up who the drummer was and I was like oh the drummers are Jody Stevens Mick Fleetwood Pete Thomas Rick Mank Fred Mayer you know I mean I you know it it I don't know if it even occurred to me at that time that more than one drummer could play on a record <laughs> like, right right and and let alone that many great ones totally blew my mind well and and that coupled with with uh the various guitarists so it's not just robert quinn we'll we'll talk about uh some other guitarists that he plays with on on some subsequent songs so yeah i feel like this is the best rem song that rem didn't write <laughs> and it all and i didn't realize that he he went to school in athens which at once it it makes complete sense but i think a couple of times on this record he gets he gets a little uh there's a little more of that than at other times. This may, there was one song that I, I, I heard losing my religion, but, uh, and there, and don't get me wrong. Okay. Absolutely nothing wrong. I, I, REM is probably one of my very favorite bands. Um, but I just thought it was, it was weird. It went in, um, cause there's something very Mike Mills about the harmonies and something very Peter Buck about the, like with the guitar. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, Anything on the lyrics? Matthew Matthew Sweet is like really, um, he he's one of those writers that like I get like pic- like little pictures in my head like when I hear the lines that he says sometimes, um, and that's one thing that like I I feel like is kind of consistent like throughout this whole record like there's always like these little you know there's always little moments. Um, that kind of like continually pull me in. But like this song to me, like devil with the green eyes, is just like a, 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 a perfect, like Matthew sweet pop song. And, you know, the, the, you know, the lyrics are, you know, pr- pretty, pretty, pretty much flawless. Um, you know? Yeah. I think the imagery in the chorus definitely kind of sets the stage of where, you know, he says, D- devil with the green eyes said you were, you was never meant to be mine. Cause I came up from a dark world and every love I've ever known is dead. Right. Like that's great imagery. So good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get some scores on this. Um, Aaron, your score 13 and then Wayne six. And this is my five. And then we got the first of the ugly truths. Uh, <laughs> this is the ugly truth. And I had to laugh when I saw scores because uh, I said, I said to myself when I was listening to this, that I'm going to like this version more than the next one. And Wayne's going to like the next version more than this one. And 
Oh man, did I nail it. Um, <laughs> Wayne, uh, what do you like on the ugly truth? I, and I, and I like the song and I, and he has this, this one feels like it continues from like, I, I, I the REM comparison. There's a little, I think something very similar in the very, in the beginning, but when he gets to that line about like a fucking root, it, it kind of phases into something much more, I guess, for a lack of a better word, we're accustomed to from Matthew Sweet. But then isn't there, there's a fiddle in this. And yeah. I'm going to save most of my comments for the next time we come around. Cause I will say this, it gives you, this is a unique opportunity when you listen to a record and you hear a song and you really like it and you think, you know what, if that fucking fiddle was missing, I think I would like this song even better. And then you actually get that chance just a few <laughs> songs later. And you're like, I was right. <laughs> man it, so now it's the fiddle because it used to be just tambourine now no no it's, it's, the just, it's well. just like this song is great I, I love the lyrics and i and i love the you know the the guitar and and i like his the harmonies that he when he does harmonize with himself and stuff i love so much about this song but the fiddle it just felt it i don't know felt out of place it does give it a whole different feel and it wasn't and i liked it i mean my score it's still it was still a high score but when i got to hear it a few songs later and that was gone and it was a little crunchier and uh, uh, then i just i spoiler alert i absolutely loved it It was my favorite song sorry aaron we're we're bringing some extra baggage from previous <laughs> no you, you're, you guys are totally good um, so, wayne hates tambourine I don't hate tambourine. I think it gets poorly used sometimes. Uh, <laughs> properly used tambourine is I'm, I'm a big fan of. Okay. <laughs> so properly used fiddle you're okay with. I, the fiddle's played great. I just, it's one of the, it was, I automatically thought to myself the first time I heard the song, I was like, man, this is a great song. I'd love to hear it without the fiddle. And this is, you know, my first time listening to it. And I'm like, that never happens in a record. You never get to hear the song and think this is great. I just wish this one thing was changed. I wonder how much better it would make it. And then they do that in the same record. No one ever does that. My goodness. All right. I'm loving this. All right, Wayne, your score on, on The Ugly Truth. A nine. And then Aaron? Uh, for me, it's a 14. All right, and this is my 12. All right, next song is Time Capsule. This was the one song on the record that I just could not stop singing. <laughs> and uh, so I was very happy to see that my score was the same as Aaron's. So um, Aaron, what, what do you, what do you love about time capsule? I just think it's like, you know, it's, it's the, it's the moment on this record that clearly like um, puts it up, up, up to the level of, of, um, of a, both a hundred percent fun um and the um, previous album, it it just is a it's just a perfect like classic pop song, you know. And as and as soon as you 
as soon as you hear it, like you remember it and it gets stuck in your head and it does all the things that those kind of songs are supposed to do. And Matthew Sweet is just really good at that. So I just feel like it's kind of just him and his element. So my, my notes here say, why in the hell was this not played more often on alternative radio stations in the 90s? Good question. I don't yeah, get I, it. I don't know. Because I, 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 I love this song. And in the, in the beginning of the beginning parts of the verses I hear I can hear Ticket to Ride by the Beatles like it's it's got this great Beatle Beatly feeling that it and it really soars and like I say I love I like the time capsule metaphor like there's a relationship that we we had and we buried and let's break it out and let's try it all over again uh but I I musically and I agree I I don't know this seemed like it would have been a perfect single for that time. Was this 1993? Yeah. 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 See, see, I think that this is as good a song as sick of myself, which came out on the next record, which was a huge song on the billboard, modern rock charts or alternative charts or whatever the heck they were calling it back in 95. I think it's as good a song as that. If not, I think that this is a better song. Don't tell Matthew. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I'm, I'm still baffled as to why this song was not played on every alternative radio station back then. So I'm baffled. <laughs> um, all right. So this is, this is my top song. Yeah. Um, same. You know, yeah. I, it's, it should have, it should, it should have been a hit. I mean, I just wonder sometimes like if, you know, when records come out and they get mixed reviews, sometimes it makes people at radio like slightly reluctant to play it. Um, you know, so I, maybe that could be a reason why, I don't know. But, um, to me it's, it's absolutely as, as, as bright as, as any moment on hundred percent fun or a girlfriend. Yeah. Agreed. And Wayne, your score. A 10. And I also will say it's almost hard to believe that this is the same guitar player like uh, Robert <laughs> Quinn. He's a he's a chameleon. He's just I mean, yeah. he he really it's all it's like it was unbelievable. To, I looked in the thing to see who was playing lead because I had a Wikipedia breaks it down. And I was like, I, I would have bet it was Richard Lloyd. Yeah. Nope. Nope. All right. Next song is someone to pull the trigger. And um, the Beavis in me, Wayne, is always <laughs> wanting to call this someone to pull my finger. <laughs> so, sorry. That's the Beavis in me. Um, I really am just a 13-year-old boy. Going back to what you were saying, Wayne, with uh, the guitarist. So this is Ivan Julian uh-huh. on the lead guitar. So he plays guitar on this and also the song Life Without You. This is where I, I, I don't know if the sequencing completely worked for me from time to capsule to this one, but I still really dig the song a lot. Um, Wayne, I think you liked it just a little bit more than me. Yeah, and I love, uh, I guess I like, Every, I mean, I love everything about this song. The structure of it, where he's got these really short, three really short verses, 
Um, he only does the chorus twice, um, but he creates this, there's this, uh, as this suspense created with his voice, like that, that uh, it reminded me of the, the first time you, the fear before you tell somebody you love them the first time, like, huh. you know, they're going to say it back, but you still, you know, are, it's fucking scary. And he, he just captured that. And I thought it was, it was brilliant. And he just, that whole moment of everything all being there, somebody just has to pull the trigger. And uh, he, he just, he created that. Uh, I mean, you can create a feeling inside somebody. It's just very powerful. Speaks to your, your, uh, your talent as a songwriter. I had this lower initially earlier in the week for a score. And then I just kind of, I love the ending. Like, yes, that ending so, is so 90s. The, the, drum, the funky drum and then somebody yells. I wrote that in my notes. That's so 1990s. I love how he, so great. He, he harmonizes, but he doesn't overdo it. Like I on this one, he really he really just picked the right spots to put those harmonies in. Yeah. yeah. Who so I beautiful. think I see shoot. 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 Anyways. Um Aaron, what it, anything else before we get scores on this song? No, that's you guys summed up pretty much everything that I I was thinking about this one. Cool. All right, your score on this? I give this one a twelve. I love this song. Yeah, Wayne, a uh, fourteen, and I gave this an eleven. Kind of creeped up just because that ending. Nineties or not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved it. Yeah, no, next song, Knowing People. first appearance of Richard Lloyd on the record. Um, in our previous episode, we talked to Chris Forsyth, who learned how to do some guitar work from Richard Lloyd. So uh, nice, nice segue from, from that. Um, Wayne, what do you got on this? There's something funky about this. Like there's, and I, I never really, I think it's that second guitar, not the lead guitar. There's some, cause the lead guitar really, and this is where I guess all the funkiness kind of com- comes together is the, the Richard Lloyd's, the soloy stuff reminds me of Slash's work on Always on the Run. And this thing has something mm-hmm. funky. And I don't know of anybody funkier than Lenny Kravitz in 1993. So <laughs> uh, it all, it, it just had this funkiness about it. And I really like, it's all in that second guitar. Yeah. I hate my, I hate my score for this one. <laughs> all right. Um, Aaron, you got anything on, on, I, I, uh, you know, I, it's, it's like that. Yeah. That riff, um, that kind of funky rock riff, um, you know, I, which I think is the, is the, um, same part that Wayne is talking about. Like it, it, you know, it, that is very nineties to me too. Like that's that style, you know, there was this sort of like funky, to certain kinds of, of rock and roll music. So it, to me, it, it feels like the most, uh, it's the song where I, I instantly go like, oh, that sounds like it's from the 90s on this record. 
which um, this is why I hate my score because I felt like the previous song was 90s, yet I'm dissing this one because it feels too 90s. So <laughs> I'm completely not consistent with my scores on this episode, just so you know. All right, uh, Wayne, your score? 11. All right, and Aaron? I give it a four. And I gave it a two. And I, like I said, I hate my score. All right. Um, Life Without You is next. Aaron, get us started on life without you. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, more classic Matthew Sweet. Um, it's like, uh, I wouldn't want a life without you. Like, it's just such a, like, <laughs> it's just a sentiment that, like, goes along with the dude's last name. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> there's something about it that just feels like very, I don't know, like, I hate the word authentic, but, like, it, 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 it just like, I really believe him when he says it, you know? Yeah. And this is actually the shortest song. Notice I caught myself. Um, shortest song on the record at two minutes, 16. Um, we're going to talk about the next track. And then Wayne, you got anything on life without you? Um, you know what? I, I'll just say, I guess to validate some of my scores coming up, uh, a lot of the lower ones are, they're somewhat arbitrary because this this is a super solid album, yeah. and this one, I guess there were points in it where it did it seemed familiar, and also there was there was this point when I I started I heard what seemed like a it it almost came across as like a hair metal power ballad in in spots, mm. and, but I I but I say I I don't there's I don't think there's a song on here a song on here that I don't like. I'm I'm listening to it again, seeing if this would be if this could be sung by Sebastian Bach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he would he would do it. There's no doubt that he wouldn't he wouldn't attempt it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, scores, Wayne. Three. Aaron. I am. I gave it a ten. All right, and then this is my four. Which leads us to the track, which is an excerpt from the movie Caligula. <laughs> and I'm going to save all of our listeners from not listening to a clip because you really don't need to. If you really want to, you can go find it on one of the <laughs> streamings. But um, this is so 90s. <laughs> putting putting in a random clip like this. like I, I'm, I still don't know... I still don't know why this is in here. Can, can anyone explain that to me? You know, because there are there are some like anti. I don't know his philosophy, so I and I didn't read up. I don't know. It does have an anti-religion. There's a couple of songs where there's a little bit of that, and then I don't. know. I always associate the Romans and Caligula. Wasn't he just like an absolute hedonistic? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
I think he's I think it's commentary. I don't know what he's commentating on or what he's trying to say, but I think he's I think he is making a point. It sounds like we need to invite Matthew onto the podcast to explain this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you are I think you're dead on. All right. All right. Matthew, if you're listening, come on, come on. Um all right. D- do we even need to give scores cuz I'm this is my one. Yeah, same. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that that leads us to Ugly Truth Rock, and I'm just going to let Wayne go with this. Go. Oh, well, they took out the fiddle like I, I suggested in to myself. I replaced it with this soaring electric guitar. I mean, the thing has this big, giant hook in it. And then um, the lyrics are, like, say, there's a – they're actually – it's really deep. Like, that, that – uh, ripped right out ripped out of the ground like a fucking root is like a birth metaphor it's just and it's visceral and fucking vivid and then the, there's a couple lines in there about fame but i mean the ugly truth is we're all born and we get older and we die and that's the ugly truth and you can't get around it but he still makes it but he makes it sound so much fun and uh it's like i say i absolutely love i absolutely love this song and you never get a second chance on a record to hear the same song and Matthew sweet. I tip my hat to you. Nice job. So Aaron, I did warn you that it's usually Wayne who disregards the <laughs> 13 rating that we try and do. <laughs> How many did you just drop? How many of those bumps uh, did you two, just drop? Maybe. Uh, Aaron, you got anything on Ugly Truth Rock? Um, yeah, I, um, I, I love Ugly Truth Rock. Um, I love uh, the sort of intensity in the vocal on that, um, you know, and this the, you know, he kind of almost like screams in moments, um, which uh, I wouldn't think of Matthew Sweet doing that, but it, it's really effective, um, and I'm I'm. I love it the first time. I love it the second. I love both times. But I, I you know, I, I you're okay I, with fiddle, man. I, fiddle, you know, I'm, it doesn't bother me. Um, you want to play in Texas? <laughs> well, I have played in Texas. I yeah. did not have a fiddle in the band, uh, but what okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, oh, and guitarist on this is Richard Lloyd. Yes. Yeah. I should I should note I have the distinct honor of being uh, uh, yelled at by Richard Lloyd. <laughs> You're probably not the only one who's had that distinct honor. Uh, we were we were playing at uh, at at Joey Ramone's birthday party in uh, in New York City at Irving Plaza, and I was I w- absolutely was in his way, and he told me to get the fuck out of his way. <laughs> Oh yeah, we we were we were chatting about Richard before you jumped on as well. So um, I'll I'll share that later. All right, <laughs> let's 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 get some scores. Wayne, your score this fifteen. All right, and then Aaron, I give it an eleven. All right, and then um, this is my six. All right, next song is "Do It Again." I'll do it again. 
Wayne, get us started on Do It Again. Um, this is, I, I just, I, there's the breaking out. It's, it's a bad relationship, and I love how it's bad for both of them because he'll say, you know, you, Yule and I'll. It's, and so it, it's just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I know her. I've been here. I've been uh, I, I I know exactly who he's talking about. And and I, I love the breaking up is half the fun because I'm pretty sure that makeup sex is the other half of the fun. So he's just in this 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 relationship that's that's not good for either of them, but no but everybody seems to be okay with that. Any any uh I loved it. And like I say, there's a whole different you know, Richard Quinn is is he's He's just serving the song. He's just once again putting, laying these really bold leads down in there that that just uh, they're different from anything from before. But they 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 definitely give these songs like this 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 big texture. Yeah, mm. yeah. and the piano on this track is really good too, which I think is Nicky Hopkins. Yeah, he's okay. he's done a little bit in his in his day. Yeah, he's played with a few people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it's really it's like it's it's uh it's really groovy piano track too. Yeah, this uh I may have given this a higher score because I feel like I I I lived this in 93. <laughs> Wayne, you know exactly who I'm talking about? How many you? times did I how many times did I break up with her? I don't keep those kind of numbers. And how many times not... did she break up with me? So yeah, I, I know exactly where Matthew is coming from here, which is, I don't know. I may have given it a higher score just because I felt like he wrote it about me. Um, so this is my 14 and Wayne, uh, 12 and then Aaron nine. All right. So next song is in too deep, not the Genesis song. <laughs> This is another rocker. I love the guitar work in this. Uh, this yeah. again is, is Richard Lloyd, and he, I think he just slays it. <laughs> so good. Really good. Um, it didn't, I didn't have it quite as high um, just because I thought the lyrics were a little too, um, I don't know what the word is. I, want, I was going to say basic, but I don't think it's basic. It's just, I feel like I've heard this drowning in a lake of fire and yeah. desire. That's funny. This one to me had a lot of the grungier. Uh, that, yeah. I mean, because I mean, the, I caught the reference to lake of fire. Um, I think there's a real, <laughs> the, the drums have a real symbol heavy thing that kind of, it definitely yeah. had elements plus the guitar work from Richard Lloyd. It, this sounds like something definitely that could have come out of Seattle. Yeah, for sure. There, I, 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 there is one line. I, I totally hear what you're saying about the lyrics in this song, but there is one line in this song that always like delights me every time I hear it. It's the line "grasping like a liar." Mm. There's just something about that, like you know, like you just imagine, like you know, 
being in the middle of a lie and like trying to like, (laughs) you know, talk your way out of it. And like that feeling of like desperation, you know, like I just thought that was a really cool line. Strong. All right. Wayne score. Eight. Aaron. Two for me. All right. This is my seven. And then next song is reaching out. love that opening chord man so uh, beautiful it's great i want to know the story behind the song i'm guessing there's some personal stuff behind that yeah i would think there would have to be this is definitely precursor to thorns music though right yeah for sure great harmonies in Yes. And I love too, like how, like he always, like even it, like on this record, he always is countering those great harmonies with like some element, usually the guitar that just feels like slightly like out of control. And like that juxtaposition really works for me, but I think it works really well on this song. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne, what do you got on, on this one? Uh, it just, it was one of the ones that I, I liked it. I never skipped any of the songs on this. It just didn't, nothing just, Nothing jumped out at me. And sometimes the like there was the harmonies in the chorus had a really like 70s AM radio. Like I couldn't think of the name of the group, but it, it definitely had something. I uh, uh, definitely some throwback, like a reminiscent kind of a feel to it. But I just other than that, I didn't have I had no, no strong feelings. OK. All right. And I hate my score for this one as well. Um, <laughs> this is my this is my three Wayne. Uh, two. And then Aaron? Five. All right. Next song is Falling. It doesn't mean you were made to hang on and you're falling, falling, falling. But you can't let go, whether you're cold, hot, bottled or not. This is the day for which you have fought and you're calling, calling. The one song on the album that I I can't quite put my finger on for what the influence is for this. Mm. I think the the guitar work is really great in this as well. Oh my this god, is, the guitar intro is incredible. Lord. Yep, so good, man. Yeah, absolutely serves the song. Like it just made it just worked. Sometimes the the leads get like are real bold and almost on their own. And this, this is the, and this, the guitar in this did sound the most like, if I heard this, I would have said, I think this is the guy from television. Like sure. It, it did have something more to it that I, that I recognized from Richard Lloyd. Yeah. And the guitar, like it in the mix too, like the guitar is like really consistently loud throughout, like all like as loud as the lead vocal at times, which is really cool. I think. Yeah. Like with the influence, I, I, I don't want to say that it's a television song or feels like a television song. Oh, no, I, no, I, I don't no. Think yeah, that, yeah. But I didn't I, think that at all. Yeah, I just can't. I can't figure it out. But I, I dig it. I really dig this song. Um, this is my ten, Wayne. 
it's a seven. There's there's like this desperation in it that I did that I that I really enjoyed. And like I say, I like how he's he's not falling into something. He's he's falling out of something. Yeah. Yeah. And then Aaron, your score? Yeah, my score for this one is a three, um, weirdly, but I think it's I think I think it fell that low for me just because like in in terms of like being a song, like it just it just wasn't one of the songs on the record that like super knocked me out um the way that Matthews is capable of doing. Um I'm I mostly enjoy the guitar on on this song although i i I don't think it's a bad song it's just not a song that i was particularly drawn to yeah yeah all right next song is what do you know There's a lot going on in the song. Yeah, man. Do I do I hear banjo? <laughs> I think it, I, I called it is a, there a fiddle in guitar. here. Is there a fiddle in this a, one? A countrified guitar. I think there is an effect on the guitar. It's trying. I think to it's a dobro. Band. Yeah, I think it's a dobro guitar. Yeah, but there's some there's some bitterness in there. There's a real like like he. I don't know what he was going through or if there was anything. I mean, this, like, there's definitely the altered beast kind of thing he was talking about. There's something under the surface of this and it's right. It's, it's a, it's, it's just not going to be long before it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I almost did the intro based off of this. So he's the man that's going to go and shoot his mouth off. Like it might kill the silence. Kill the silence. What a great line. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. It's one of my favorites on the whole record, actually. I'm glad you said that line because I was going to say it too. Yeah, that's great. Uh, this is my 13. Aaron, your score? Uh, seven. All right. And then Wayne? A five. All right. And that leads us to last song, Evergreen. No, this is not the Barbara Streisand song that starts. It's <laughs> not that's an easy chair. That's not it. Don't you cry Cause there's no difference Between the earth and the sky There's no reason We have to die This would have been, I wrote this, this would have been a great album closer if I didn't know that the little hidden track thing was there. Ah, uh, <laughs> I hate that. Lo- uh, I know what the, <laughs> why, why, all, why do we've already, that? We've already, it's what's more nineties than a hidden track other than That's clunky so drum and the yell. So true. So true. Yeah. You have to do. And, but I think, cause this one definitely has a, an anti-religious feel to it. With the uh, there's no difference between earth and the sky. There's no reason we have to die. And so the sheep in that context. Okay, I get I it. I felt like he was making once again making a commentary, which matched up with what he was had just said. Like I say, yeah. hidden tracks are hit and miss. 
I think this was much, not so much a, it's not that Nirvana song at the end of, of Nevermind. It's, True. this is just, I think he's making, you have to wait too long for it. You, it people are going to turn it off if you leave that kind of a gap. If you want to hear him, want to hear the sheep noises, you got to bring it up a little bit closer. I turned it off yeah. the first three or four times that I listened to this. And and it wasn't until, I don't know, two days ago when I listened to this and I, and I just had it on as background music while I was working at, the, at home. And um, all of a sudden this <laughs> sheep thing comes on. I'm like, what in the world? And, and, and that, I, mean, I think they're actual sheep. I think it's someone making sheep noises, which is even right. better. Which is like, yeah. the, oh, absolutely. It's A even more disturbing. Up. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, anything? I'll shut up about the hidden this, track part. I will say this. This one I, I, sounds like a steel guitar is in there. And whenever I a steel guitar, it, but it's kind of back and it's not used enough. And I always think that if you're going to use a pedal steel guitar, you should get it up front, get it, mm. you know, use it like it's supposed to be. Make that crying sound and everything. Just like show it off. Because it's such a beautiful instrument, and to bring it in and kind of have it in the background seems wrong. Okay. Let's get scores. Wayne? I gave it a four, but I really think that everything about it, it only works, I think, as an ending track. And I think as that, it probably should have given it a better score. But I gave it a four. But I think he did a lot of, I could say, he didn't lack for consistency. He put it at the end. He kind of, it feels like he has a something to say about, organized religion or faith in general. And then he, I think the sheep noises, the human made sheep noises at the end. Um, if you would have just brought them up a little closer, so nobody misses them, that would have been, that would have been the way to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with that assessment of the song and I, I find that to be kind of brilliant. Like the fact that he's having people literally be sheep on the end of the record <laughs> is is interesting to me and probably for that reason alone i actually give evergreen an eight because i think like that whole uh little segment there is like pretty genius <laughs> yeah. all right well dis- despite the hidden track p- portion of it i gave it yeah. a nine so i i do like the song i just yeah the sheep part we have, we have, we, that's, that's like a political commentary right now. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. That's true. That's uh, true. Anyways, uh, I went there again, Wayne. Um, all right. So this is the part where I go, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? I, I don't know what, I don't know what we could have missed. All right. I think, yeah. I think we got it. Um, all right. So any guesses on, uh, our top five. What do you think our number one song is? Um, time capsule. It's time capsule. Yeah, gotta be. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron and I both gave that our 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 top score. Second is someone to pull the trigger. We've got a two way tie for third, which is the ugly truth, the first version, and then do it again, and then the ugly truth rock is our our fifth barely barely missing out is dinosaur act sorry wayne so um but yeah that's a solid top five even though there's two ugly truths yeah (laughs) (laughs) they would have been tied that would have been that would have been awesome 
that's that's what I was hoping was going to happen when you said that. Yeah, maybe maybe I should adjust my score and all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you guys? No, no I'm not going to do that. All right, uh, this was a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely! Thank you so yeah. much for picking this. This yes. this is this has rekindled my appreciation for Matthew. Um, this uh, this caused me to to listen to the thorns again. This caused me to listen uh, to the uh, the under the covers project that he's done with uh, Susanna Hoffs, which are just fantastic records. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so Aaron, tell tell people where they can find all the happenings of of you. Oh, um, I just you know I'm I am. Uh, I try to be uh, as active as I can on social media. Um, I think that's something that people like me are supposed to do. Um, and so I, I try, I try my, my best to, uh, to, to hang around on there. So I'm, you know, I can be, it's just my, at, at my name, you know, Aaron Lee Tastian, T-A-S-J-A-N and Aaron is spelled double A-R-O-N. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 on the internet there or AaronLeeTastian.com. Um, although I don't know, like um, I think our record label updates the website, and um, I'm not sure if there's like anybody even in the office over there right now. So yeah, I, I <laughs> maybe looked, maybe just find me on social media. <laughs> I, I looked a couple days ago. There's not much new content there. So yeah, definitely go to, to your socials for that. Um, all right. So last question. And, uh, we pose this to Matthew cause and John Gallagher jr. And that's why they, uh, they said you should, you should go talk to Aaron. So who do you know that we don't know that, uh, should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? I'm going to recommend a guy who, um, I have learned so much about listening to music from, um, and uh, every time I listen to music with him, I feel like um, it's a, that experience is is uh, um, as fun as listening to the to the record. Um, and his name is Finley Brown. Okay. Um, and he is a uh, a singer songwriter um, from York, England. Um, although I believe he and his wife uh, live in Finland these days, um, but he is. Uh, really really great i played guitar for him um when he made his recording debut in america um and we actually got to play the david letterman show together which was really fun very cool um but he's just this he's just a super super talented writer and a really really deep musicologist and i bet he'll pick a really fascinating record and um and have a lot to say about it because um, he's a super super smart guy perfect we 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 love our passionate music fans on this on this podcast. So that that sounds like a great pick. All right, we'll uh, we'll, we'll chat about that. All right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. And of course, you can find all of our happenings on our socials. Uh, I man the Facebook page, or you can find us on Twitter at Podcast Records. Wayne Instagram page is. Rec- Records Revisited Podcast. 
pretty easy. And you, you, of course, can find us on all the major podcast platforms. Please go and subscribe and rate or review us on any of those platforms. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that. So please go support your favorite musicians by checking out their live streams, their their Facebook lives, uh, what have you. And um, buy a t-shirt of the band and buy a record. Dang it, buy a record. Maybe on Bandcamp. We are Records Revisited and we are out. out. <laughs>